0: My grandma was kind of the perfect grandma. As you'd be pulling up to her house, there she'd be waving at you from the window that overlooked the driveway, as if she'd been waiting there all day for you to show up. You'd walk into her house, and she'd ask what you'd like to drink, but the answer was always the same, her homemade iced tea. And you'd sit on the porch talking and laughing for hours. Every once in a while, I'd catch her looking at me with a nostalgic and adoring smile. So naturally, I'd ask her if everything's okay, and she would reply, Your grandfather used to make that same exact face. He was a grandfather I never really knew, but somehow buried deep inside my DNA, was an instruction set to make that exact same face as my grandpa, which I suppose makes sense. One quarter of me was made in his very image. In our gospel this morning, folks are out to get Jesus. We're in chapter 22 of Matthew's gospel and in four quick chapters, Jesus will be arrested and the passion will ensue. That's all to say that this morning's gospel wasn't just simply a battle of wits, a gotcha question, and a great retort, but literally people plotting to entangle him, get him arrested, and have him crucified. And if you're looking to confuse and entrap someone, what better thing to do than ask them a question about taxes? So an unlikely alliance of two groups was formed. The Pharisees, who detested paying taxes to imperialist regimes, and the Herodians, folks who thought that Herod, the king of the Jews, wasn't actually that bad of a guy. Together they walk up and ask Jesus, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And of course, the catch. If Jesus says yes, the Pharisees will freak out, faming repulsion and shouting blasphemy over the idea that such a prolific rabbi would ever suggest that people support this occupying regime by paying taxes to it. And if Jesus says no, the Herodians will wonder, who is this insurrectionist who dares to undermine the emperor by telling people not to pay their taxes? Either answer leads to a charge, blasphemy or insurrection. Both parties wait with bated breath and are ready to pounce at a moment's notice. But Jesus, being the Episcopalian that he is, takes (laughs) this yes or no question, should you pay taxes, and answers it with a both and. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Matthew tells us when they heard these words, they marveled. That was a carefully constructed sentence. It doesn't say that they marveled at his answer. I suspect they marveled that their perfect plan somehow backfired. So they left him and went away. But blasphemy and insurrection, those still sounded like good charges to get Jesus on, they'll just have to wait a few more days to get him. Jesus justifies paying taxes to Caesar by asking the crowd whose image and inscription is this. They look at the coin and see Caesar because it was indeed Caesar who, with their tax money, paid for the roads on which they traveled, the aqueducts from which they drank, the protection under which they lived. And not only that, it paid for roads that they would never travel on, faucets from which they would never drink, and armies to protect the western edges of the empire, though they only cared about protection from the east. They offered their taxes as a token of civic thanksgiving because they knew that society was something bigger than just them. That the safety of others was equally as important as their own. Having a road to walk on to work is important to everyone. And that all who thirst need access to water. So they paid their taxes to Caesar, not just for their own sake, but for the sake of all. The notion that society was bigger than any one individual and that we all ought to chip in for the good, that was an admirable notion and one Jesus could get behind. But Jesus never simply answers a question. He always seems to raise the bar, too. So yes, show your gratitude to Caesar by paying your taxes but don't forget to show your gratitude to God, too. The coin was Caesar's because it was made in his image, and it was by working for that coin that they were able to express gratitude, that is, pay their taxes. But what about God? How are we to render unto God what is God's? In the parable this morning, Jesus tells us by exactly the same mechanism, by serving those that were made in God's image, namely, each other. That is how we can express our gratitude to God. A few years ago, I got a panicked text message from one of my friends. Help. I was just saying some nighttime prayers with my son and he asked, why doesn't God perform miracles anymore? What do I say? God does perform miracles. The Holy Spirit is just using our hands to perform those miracles. It Sounds a little cheesy, but it's something I believe is so true. It's those miracles that happen day in and day out. The miracle of a bad day turning into a good one because God smiled at us through the face of a friend. The miracle of feeling consoled after days of mourning because God embraced us using the arms of a loved one. The miracle of hungry people gathered in our courtyard, parish hall, and parking lot, becoming full because God feeds them through the hands of our many volunteers. We render these things unto God because these acts of love are of God and what God would do if he were still walking the earth as Christ incarnate. But it is us, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that take on this work. We feel driven to do these things because somehow buried deep within our DNA is an instruction set to be little Christs in this world, doing the works of our Father who called us by name, who know us though we have never seen him. All as Christ watches with a nostalgic an adoring smile.